house of the Lord. Amen. Could, could, could we say welcome to the presence of the Almighty? Amen. Isn't it awesome to be where God is? Amen. I know that, that there are times where maybe you're at home. and How many have ever been in your prayer closet and the Spirit of the Lord fell in your prayer closet? Or you were in your bedroom and you were praying and the, the glory of God fell. Isn't it awesome to be in the place where the Spirit of the Lord is? Isn't it awesome to be in the congregation of the saints of God? Do you, do you, do you know that there's, I'm going to say this this way, do you know that there's, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use this word, exponential power when the saints of God come together, that when we're congregating, that there's an atmosphere that's conducive for the miracles of God, for the hand of God. Amen. You've probably been a lot of places all this week and visited places and went around and maybe you went to your job and sometimes you can be in a work environment that's not so cool, not so nice. But isn't it awesome to be in the house of the Lord where you know the spirit of the Lord is moving, where God is touching, where he's empowering. And it's good to be in the house of the Lord. So we welcome everybody today. I'm glad that you're here. Uh, we, we are uh, today in the final message of our series, First Love. Do you know we could be faithful in all things that we do for God, but if we lose our first love, God will hold us in account to that. I'm trying to help you to realize in different aspects or areas of your life where you might have lost your first love. Uh, we've been going through aspects of time. How I many know we talked about our time? How do the principles of keeping God first in our time and keeping God first in our treasures and keeping uh, God first? Uh, last week we got into a mar. Who was here with me last week or saw the message last week? We we got into a message about talents that was grounded in the Spirit of God. If you didn't hear last Sunday's message, because I encourage you to go listen to it like ten times. You may not know this, but a lot of times when, of course, when I'm in deliberation through the week, I'll listen to my own message three or four times, and I'm blessed listening to myself preach, and the Spirit of the Lord's talking to me through things that I'm, come on, somebody, you think that's weird? I'm not schizophrenic, baby, that's, you know, I'm telling you that what's, what's good for the goose is good for the gander, as we said back in the day, and everything that I'm saying to you, I apply back to my life. Today we are going to talk about probably one of the most important principles of keeping God first, and that is in your thoughts, in your thoughts. And so we're going to try to help each and every one of us, all of us collectively together, to get our minds stayed on the Lord. And, and so let's, let's be in that frame of mind. I'm hoping today that when you walk out of here, that you're going to walk out of here in your spiritual mind. Not in your natural mind, but in your spiritual mind. And I'm going to share some things with you that I believe are principled in the scriptures. So if you have your Bible, let's stand together. If you have your Bible, I'm going to do a few little things here today. Uh, I'm going to ask you to, to, to go to Romans. Roman, uh, no, excuse me, Acts chapter 9. Pardon me, Acts chapter 9. And then uh, while you're there, if you got your Bible open, just kind of quickly turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. And then just put your Bible ribbon there. Because at the end of today's message, I want to, we're going to read that together as a church because there's some value in reading uh, uh, this issue called spiritual warfare. And I'm going to talk about that because I believe many people in the house of the Lord uh, need to be equipped in that way. So I'm going to go back at the very end, 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Uh, 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 just slide your Bible ribbon there and then we'll come back at the very end of the message today and we'll pick that up. And as you walk out of the house of the Lord today, I promise you, you're going to be prepared for God, prepared for the use of God. And, and we're going to talk about that today. I know the Spirit of the Lord this week has had me in, in a lot of deliberation. And there's been a lot of prayer uh, gone into every message. But this one in particular, the Spirit of the Lord has really been impressing on me. This message is entitled, Blinded by the Light. I pray today that when you leave, you're going to be blinded by the light. I pray that there'll be a complete blinding of the family of faith in this message. Of course, this is coming out of Acts chapter 9. Many of you are familiar with this particular passage. This is Paul on the road to Damascus. I'm going to read this. I'm actually going to read it through all the way through verse 16, but it reads as a narrative, so I think you'll be able to follow along rather easily. This again is Acts chapter 9, beginning at verse 1, and we'll read this together. And it begins like this. And Saul, yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord, went unto the high priest and desired of him letters to Damascus to the synagogues 
listen to this, that if he found any of this way, any believer, whether they were men or women, catch this, he might bring them bound unto Jerusalem. Look at your name and say, Paul done lost his last mind. And as he journeyed, he came near Damascus. Now watch this. And suddenly there shined round about him a light from heaven. And he fell to the earth. I love this verse. And heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And he said, who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, who now persecuteth. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And he trembling and astonished said, Lord, what will thou have me to do? And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the city, and it shall be told thee what thou must do. And the men which journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice, catch this, but seeing no man. Oh, I love that verse. That verse resonates in my spirit. And the men which journeyed with him stood speechless, amen, hearing a voice, but seeing no man. Look at your neighbor and say, be slow to speak and quick to hear. And Saul arose from the earth, and when his eyes were opened, watch this, he saw no man, but they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. Paul is now blind. And he was three days without sight, neither did eat nor drink. And there was a certain disciple in Damascus named Ananias, and to him said the Lord in a vision, Ananias, and he said, Behold, I'm, I am here, Lord. And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the street which is called Straight, and inquire in the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, catch this, he prayeth. I, I, I love when blind people pray. You'll get that here in just a minute. I love it when blind people pray. And hath seen, watch this, and hath seen in a vision, this is Paul, he's praying, and hath seen in a vision a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hands on him that he might receive his sight. So Paul is already getting revelation. He's already seeing in the spirit. Then Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard by many of this man how much evil he hath done to the saints at Jerusalem. And here he hath authority from the chief priest to bind all that call on thy name. But the Lord said unto him, Go thy way, for he is a chosen vessel unto me to bear the name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. And I'm going to keep reading. I just want to just give this to you. Watch this. And Ananias went his way and entered into the house and putting his hands on him, said, Brother Saul, the Lord, even Jesus, that appeared unto thee in the way as thou camest, hath sent me that thou might receive thy sight and be filled with the Holy Ghost. Let me read this another way. Harvest Point Church, the Lord, even Jesus, hath appeared unto thee in the way as thou camest. He sent me that thou might receive thy sight, Harvest Point Church, and be filled with the Holy Ghost. And immediately there fell from his eyes as it were been scales, and he received straight sight forthwith and arose and was baptized. Uh, Y'all ready to get into this, man? We're going to get down. Y'all ready? Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for this, this awesome moment, a divine moment, a privileged moment. Could I, Father, a holy moment where the people of God can remove their shoes from the place where they're standing is holy ground. This, this is a visitation of God. This is a visitation of the Spirit of God for the family of faith to be empowered, to be equipped. Holy Spirit, we pray today as it was in the days of Paul that, that those that came here blinded might receive their sight. That they might be filled with the Holy Spirit. They might be drawn in and captured of your spirit. 
I pray your help and strength in this sort of message, Holy Spirit. Bring, bring the kind of anointing that makes preaching easy and that the, 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 the preaching, that the words won't be confused or strained. We will fall upon hearts that are ready, pliable, useful for the word of the Lord. So we pray blessing, help, and strength as we go forward. And we pray that in Jesus' name, amen and amen. Listen, before you see it, go, 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 go find some people, and I want you to tell them, be blinded by the light. Be blinded by the light. Go get somebody and say, be blinded by the light. Be blinded, be blinded, be blinded. Be blinded by the light. Be blinded. Blinded by the light. Blinded by the light. Blinded, blinded, blinded by the light. Be blinded. Be blinded. Brother Jesse, be blinded by the light. Isabel, be blinded by the light. Brother Taylor, be blinded by the light, my brother. Sister Taylor, be blinded. Love you, Sister Taylor. Be blinded, be blinded, be blinded. Be blinded. Christian, still be blinded by the light. It's good to have you, Christian. It's good to see you, man. How awesome the day is. Sister Avis, be blinded by the light. <laughs> Sister Pam, be blinded by the light. Be blinded by the light. Be blinded. Be blinded by the light. They catch your neighbor. Say, we're in no rush. <laughs> just, just sit back and relax. Take this in. Amen. Be, 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 be in a spiritual mind. You're going you're gonna to garner some things today in the Lord. We, be blinded by the light. Be blinded by the light. Be blinded. Do you mind if for a moment I give some exposition to faith? Could, could, could I even go as far as to say that maybe in these next few words we can set the spiritual climate for our altar service? I mean, you know, here at Harvest Point, we have an altar service. You might be able to digest some of the word that you've just received. Because at Harvest Point Church, we endeavor to feed you some meat. <laughs> some places serve dessert first. We, we serve the meat here. Let, let, me, let me give you a few scriptures on faith. Y'all ready for some scriptures on faith? Uh, we, know, we know Romans 1.17. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed. From faith to faith. For in fact, that scripture does tell us that, catch this, the just shall live by faith. Somebody say the just shall live by faith. That means people that have been justified, made right in God, live by faith. Uh, maybe you've heard this one before, Hebrews 11.1. 1. Uh, 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 pardon me, uh, Hebrews 11.1. 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Somebody say not seen. Not seen. In fact, we're commanded, Paul commands the church at Corinth that we walk by faith and not by sight. In other words, the Christian is living his life absent of the ability to see. That a true bona fide believer has surrendered their right to see that they might walk by faith. But could I suggest to you that what you're seeing is the very thing that's causing you your mental duress? <laughs> Let me just say something. Had you had faith, you wouldn't be going through the stress you're going through. Let me say to somebody again, the, the, the thing that you're seeing, it's what's causing duress in your spiritual life. For the believer is commanded to walk absent of sight. Think of all the things you've been seeing. 
No wonder you're stressed in church and in your life. In fact, the Bible says, how many, how many know this pastor? Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. Paul says, catch this, you got to hear this. He says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God. He says, this is your reasonable service, reasonable. And be not conformed to this world, but rather be transformed what, by the renewing of your mind that you may be able to prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. In other words, you have to start living your life as a sacrifice. A, a, a living one. A, a, a living sacrifice. Have you ever presented yourself that way before God? For those of you who, who declare and say that you're mature in the Lord, have you ever given to God your spiritual, your, pardon me, your natural sight? Uh, let, let me digress for a moment. Uh, my, uh, our missionary Primnath in India said that, Pastor, there are worshipers of the sun, uh, Ra, in, in Hinduism. And what they do is they go out and they look into the sun to the degree that as they look into the sun, they literally sacrifice their natural vision. And in the caste system of devotion, they're considered very high because they sacrifice their eyes to the sun god. They were blinded by the light. Have you in your Christian faith sacrificed your natural vision? Are you at a point in your spiritual life now where you don't need to see natural things? You want to see the spiritual things. Anybody here have a thought that you want to see things spiritually? I mean, you've seen enough naturally. Anybody say, I've seen enough natural stuff. I'm not impressed with natural stuff. What I'm trying to get over is to the spiritual stuff that I might see spiritually, that I may make decisions and think upon these spiritual things. For doesn't Paul teach us? For they that are after the flesh, watch this, do mind the things of the flesh. But they that are after the Spirit, do mind the things of the Spirit. What does he say? For a carnal mind, what is death? But a spiritual mind is life and peace. Let me say that again. A spiritual mind is life and peace. Is that indicative of the life that you're living? Have you, like Paul, you know, when Paul says, I beseech you, that's like Paul, the, the word beseech in, in that language, in the King James language, is literally to beg, to get on your knees and say, I beseech you, I'm imploring you, I'm pleading with you to present your body as a living sacrifice unto God. I would suppose that very few of us have ever came to the Lord in that way. Because without that, the mind cannot be transformed. Some of us don't even know what it's like to live a life of faith. Absent of sight, strictly working upon that which is the spiritual mind and spiritual sight, I would probably suppose we're a little mixed between the two. What does Paul say? A spiritual mind is life and peace. Watch, watch Paul says this. I want you to, Paul says this, and, and it is, in fact, open your Bibles. I want you to read it. Uh, Romans chapter 8. Go to Romans chapter 8. I, I, I want you to read this with me because I perceive that in the house of the Lord, there's a little bit too much natural vision in the house of God. Right. And that natural vision is contaminating the church. It contaminates the way you perceive it. It contaminates the way you pray. And could I suggest to you that many of you, when you go to pray, you're simply praying for yourself? Because your natural vision has convinced you that you need help. <laughs> Paul, Paul, are you there in verse 7? Because uh, I just think this is something I really need to really impress upon you. He says, but the carnal mind, watch this, the carnal mind 
he says, is enmity towards God. In other words, your carnal mind hates God. Uh, did, did you see that? For the carnal mind is enmity. Catch this. It's enmity against God. For, for, watch this. For it is not subject unto the law of God, neither indeed can be. So, so, so some of you, uh, maybe, and, and we try to say this at, at Harvest Point Church. I don't want to teach you religion. Uh, we're trying to teach you relationship. Uh, do, do, do you know that it's, it would be easier? People always say, well, pa Pastor, why are these churches growing? Well, they might be growing because they teach stuff. And let me say that one more time. You missed it. Uh, they might be growing because what they're trying to teach is what to do. You know, there's a lot of religions in the world. They're saying that, that the Muslim faith is growing. The Muslim faith grows because it tells you what to do. And there's a lot of people who want to know, well, just what do I do? How, well, what am I supposed to do? And at the church, we're trying to teach you what it is to have a relationship with God. How many know that's infinitesimally more difficult to teach people a relationship? It, it's very odd because the, the, the carnal mind is enmity towards God. And, and the Bible says, in fact, Paul is teaching that it works in direct contradiction to the law of God. Now, people say, well, what's the law of God? It's real simple. I'll teach it to you this way. St. Matthew 22, the Bible says a, a, an attorney, a Pharisee, came to the Lord, tempting him, saying, which is the greatest commandment? Uh, you understand the temptation, right? The fallacy would be for Jesus to pull out one of the commandments. The Ten Commandments is one law. We shouldn't see them as individual laws. It's one law. You either keep it or you don't. I'm saying something. You touch them and say, don't mess with the law. It'll kill you. That's the design of it. Uh, notice that Jesus says, well, the greatest commandment, if you want the greatest commandment, let me give it to you. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your mind. And the second is likened unto it, love thy neighbor as thyself. For the entire law and prophets hang on these two commands. What is he saying? You're just supposed to love God with everything you got. The carnal mind hates God. How could it love it? The, the, the carnal mind doesn't want you to love God. I, I, I like what Paul, are you still, are you still there in, in Romans, right? Go, go with me to Romans chapter 7. Go to verse 22. What does Paul say? I delight... In the law of God, after what? The inward man. What is he saying? Isn't it awesome that all you have to do when you come to church here is just love on God? How beautiful that is for the believer who's full of the Holy Spirit that all you've got to do is just love God. Oh, somebody say hallelujah. I delight in that. Listen, when I go into my prayer closet, my one aim, my one goal is just to go in and love on God. I just go in there and love on God. I just go in there and serve the Lord. I just go in there and say, Father, I'm here. Whatever you need me to do, I'm at your disposal. Whatever you want me to go, whatever you want me to say, whatever you need, I am here to serve you and just love on you. How awesome that is. That I don't get to get tied up in all the rhetoric and stuff and things and problems, strifes, and all those issues that everybody's trying to strive for. I just simply love on God. Paul says, I delight in that. Delight in that. But then Paul says, I see another law in my members. He says, what did he say? Are you there? Are you there? Romans chapter 7. Go, go to verse 23. But I see another law. What did he say? Warring against the law of my mind. Oh, now here we go. See, there's something else happening. The reason why you're not free to love is there's something going on in your life. There's another war happening. The liberty that you should have to love God freely and to just engage God relationally, to just, when you pray, you just jump on the lap of God and you put your arms around the Father and you kiss his face and you tell him you're so beautiful, Father. All that wonderfulness and all the love that God expounds and all the beautifulness of his graces and his mercies and his kindness and, and, and all the things that God provides and all the love that God shows, the reason why you can't get there is because you're at war in your mind with the law of sin. Oh, Paul says it like this, but I see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind. 
and bringing me into captivity unto the law of sin. There's something else competing with my mind. There's something competing with my thoughts. Something is inside of me causing me to be stressed, to be worried, to be anxious. Do you understand in the world right now, do you see how stressed it is? Do you see how burdened it is that people are losing their minds, their heart rate is up? I've been posting on my Facebook page. I've been seeing it now more than ever how young men's hearts are failing them. Jesus said this would be a sign of his return. Why? Because people are just so stressed. They're just so inundated with stuff. Everything that they're seeing, they're trying to put it into some parameter and something. And their whole life is being inundated with nothing more than thoughts. They're being bombarded with thoughts. One thought after another. They don't have life and peace. They have death. Because they are in a carnal mind. Could I suggest today in the church that there are carnal minds here? Could could, could you be honest enough with God to say, Father, I have never brought myself to you. Never. When Paul pleaded and implored with you, bring your body to God. Bring it. Bring it as a living sacrifice, not a dead one. You know, a lot of people say, Pastor, you know, I'd die for Jesus. I don't want you to die for Jesus. I want you to live for Jesus. Will you look at your name and say, we want you to live for Jesus. Well, we live by faith. We walk by it. We live by it. We move by it. We speak by it. We talk by it. We see by it. And how is it that the church has lost its mantra? If anybody should have life and peace, it's us. What should draw the world here? The life and peace that we have in our minds concerning the place in which we live. There's a distinction. Paul said it like this. You've read it before. Are you there still? In Saint, uh, Romans chapter 7, in verse 24, what he says, Oh, wretched man that I am! Who shall deliver me from the body of this death? Who's going to deliver me? But then what does he say? You see the last verse of the chapter. Oh, I thank God. I thank God through our Lord, through Jesus Christ our Lord, that what? That what? That with the mind I might serve what? The law of God. And with my flesh, the law of sin. What is he saying? I have a choice. For the first time in my life, I now have a choice where my mind goes, how I think. For the first time, I can actually make a decision on how I begin to think when I didn't have that power before. Uh, Watch Paul. Are you still there? I can quote these verses. I can go all through the chapter with you if you want to. Go with me to Romans chapter 8 verse 1. What does it say? There is therefore now no condemnation for those that are in Christ. But keep reading. Who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. Then what does Paul say? Now I want you to hear this. I want you to hear this. You see, you see the way it says, for the law of the spirit of life. Listen, for the law, what? The principle of the spirit of life hath made me free from the law of sin and death. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that wonderful? That, that, that all I have to do is begin to operate spiritually with God? That now I have the power in the Holy Ghost to set my mind to the things of God. Somebody say, I need a spiritual mind. Look at your name and say, you need a spiritual mind, brothers and sisters. Listen, the instant you make that change to a spiritual man, your stresses go right away. Boom, boom. You go go into the spirit, boom, you start seeing spirit, boom. Everything evaporates in the spiritual mind. Could I suggest to you that, that, that the spiritual mind, nobody knew this better than Paul. Uh, Because Paul was blinded by the light. Have any of y'all been blinded by the light? I've I've been blinded by the light. Because every time the enemy tries to show me something, the spirit of the Lord rises up inside of me. He says, no, we don't. Let let me show you something different than that. Every time he tries to tell me the lie, the light of God's word stands up and says, this is what God said. (laughs) You see, I've been blinded by the light. (laughs) 
I've heard somebody say it's easy to look in the darkness. How many know you can, you know, I, I get in my prayer closet, I can close the door, and it's dark. I can open my eyes wide open. But it's another thing to look right into the light. Anybody ever look right into a light? Make you blink, won't it? Like, you know, hold on a second. You know, you got to rub your eyes. You got to readjust yourself. Paul knew light better than anybody else because he understood a spiritual mind. uh, So so think this through. He said, listen, you got to have a a spiritual mind is life and peace. Notice that it's Paul who gives the revelation of what it is. Catch this, because we're talking about thoughts. To have, watch this. Listen to this. This will blow your mind. That that now you can have the mind of Christ. Let me say it again because you might have missed it. Paul was saying now he's teaching the church that not only could you have a spiritual mind, but now you can have, listen to this, the mind of Christ. I'm going to say it one more time to somebody. Y'all acting like, well, I don't know if we want that. I kind of like the mind I got. Why the... Why would I want the mind of you? I mean, what's the big deal? Let me say it one more time. God, Paul began to teach the church that not only could you have a spiritual mind, but you could have the mind of Christ. The, the mind of Christ. See, you don't want it. Touch it and say, you don't want it, man. You just in here, just listen. You think you're just here for no other reason than to check off your little spiritual checklist that you went to church on Sunday. I'm trying to teach you the truth of the word of God, that you can have the mind of Jesus. The mind, the mind of Jesus. Imagine that, how grand that notion is. I pray that you would perk up yourself and straighten yourself up in your chair. Dust yourself up. I got to get that. I want the mind of Christ. And for any of you out here that you have a problem with your IQ, you know, there's, a, you know, there's some people in here, they look smart, but they really ain't that smart. You, 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 you test them, you're going to find out they're not that smart. But wouldn't it be amazing for all, all the ADD and all the problems people have concentrating and all the problems you have with your mind. How, how many today would say, you know what? I would love to make that exchange. I would love to come to church and get rid of my carnal mind and get the mind of Jesus. I want that. I want that. that yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I want that. I want that mind. I want the mind of Jesus. That's the revelation that Paul is teaching, that you can have the mind of Christ. So, so do you mind if I give the mind of Christ a definition? Anybody want a definition? Definition? If you want it, if you don't want it, I can sit down. If you don't want the mind of Jesus, I just move on. Touch your name and say, "You need it, man." Wouldn't it be nice, a wife, if your husband spoke to you out of the mind of Jesus? Oh, y'all hear what I'm saying? You've never been loved like that, baby. Trust me. Uh, husband, wouldn't it be nice if your wife had the mind of Jesus? Oh, what transformation happening. Oh, somebody say hallelujah. In fact, get up right now and go find somebody and say, you need the mind of Christ. Get up right now because I can tell you need to encourage somebody. Get up right now and go find somebody and say, you need the mind of Christ, baby. You need it. 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 If you're watching by stream, you need the mind of Christ. Go find everybody. Everybody get up and move. I'm not, gonna, I'm not even going to move until y'all are sitting there. I, I want you to get up and go find somebody. Get up right now and go find somebody. Get up right now and go find somebody. Get up right now and go find somebody. Everybody get up. If you're still on the seat, I'm not going to keep going until you get up and go tell somebody, baby, you need the mind. You need the mind. You need the mind. You need the mind of Jesus. You need the mind. You need the mind. You need the mind. You need the mind. I want to have the right thoughts. I want to think the right way. Just just put your biggest problem under the mind of Jesus and it evaporates. (laughs) Put your biggest stress under the mind of Jesus and it's incinerated under the weight of his glory. The mind of Jesus. The mind of Jesus. You're going to be surprised how easy it is to get it. You're going to be surprised how easy. You're going to say, it can't be that. It is that easy. Because I'm here teaching principles. Because I want your thoughts to be first with God. And I'm here telling you in your carnal mind, which a lot of you came in here with that carnal mind. And you know it's your carnal mind because you've been complaining in your carnal mind. How many know you know that you have a carnal mind when most of your thought is complaint? Yes. <laughs> Touch it. See, he's talking about you or no. That's you. This week, when you get a complaint, just know you are not in the mind of Jesus. 
How many know that all murmuring is against God? Yeah, yeah, yeah. For all you complainers out there, you're all sourpuss, all the pessimists, all, well, this ain't right and that ain't right. I'm talking to you. You need the mind of Jesus. For every last one of us that's in here stressed over a problem, a situation, a strife, some issue at work, something, you need the mind of Jesus, right? It'll change your life. It'll transform you. You need the mind of Jesus. You need it more than you've ever needed in your whole life. This is what you've been in. This is your, this is a, this is your birthday. This is Christmas. This is Halloween. This is everything all wrapped up in the one. <laughs> I even threw Halloween in there because I don't know what devil's in here. <laughs> You know, devils are in the house, too. <laughs> we need the mind of Jesus. How is it the believer? We lost that. And it's so easy because, you know, you know, how, you know how we lose the mind? We just start looking at stuff. Right here. Uh, didn't John teach us this? He says, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. Didn't he teach us that? He says, all that's in the world, what did he say? The lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life, is all the world. It's not of the Father. We, we go out and all we've been doing is thinking about what we're doing. And let me say it again. We go out in the world and, and everything that's going on in our life is what's is what's dominating the mind. Every problem, every strife, every stress, everything, we're trying to rationalize and, and give it sense and we're trying to move through our human intellect and ability and God is saying, no, what you need is the mind of Christ. <sighs> Touch your neighbor and say, I'm glad I came this morning because I need this message. You ready for the definition of the mind of Christ? So the mind of Christ is when the, the will of God becomes the fullness of our thoughts and actions. Yeah. Look at your name and say, I ain't there yet. I ain't there yet. I ain't there yet. The, the, the mind of Christ is when the will of God becomes the fullness of our thoughts and our actions. Because remember, we're a living sacrifice. You, you know, when Paul talks about being a living sacrifice, he talks about the things that you're doing, not the things that you think you're doing. The things that you'd like to do. You, 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 you know, the thought that counts. He's trying to get rid of that into action. It's a living sacrifice. A life full of the action of God. Well, what should our action be? The will of God. When it becomes the fullness of our concentration. Do you know that your marriage, that God has a will for your marriage? You say, oh, Pastor, you know, I don't know, I got marriage problems. Well, back up a minute. Do you know that God has a will for your marriage? Well, Pastor, you don't know what's going on in my life. You see the doctor said, hold on. Do you know that God has a will for your health? You, you, you say, well, preacher, you don't know what's going on at my job. Are you trying to tell me that God doesn't have a will for you at your job? I could go through it. Well, pastor, you don't know my kids. I got one of my kids. They're acting crazy, and I don't know what to do. I've been crying late at night, and I've been up, and they've been stressing out. Do you know that God has a will for your babies? Your job is to, with the mind of Christ, to perform that will right here, right now. You say, well, where did you get that from? I got it from the Lord's Prayer. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth just as it is in heaven. In other words, I'm going to bring your will and I'm going to bring it here to earth. I'm going to manifest your will. So you won't, you, you, don't, you don't even see what God, you, you have all kinds of plans and I'm going to do this and I'm going to go do that. And the Bible says, what we should, we should be saying? We should be saying, if God wills, I'll do this or I'll do that. Could I suggest to you that God's will for your children is better than your will? Let me say that one more time because I got some crazy people in here. Check it out. Could I suggest to you that God's will for your children is better than the will that you have for your children? 
Can I suggest to you that God's will at your employment is better than the will you have for your own employment? Can I suggest to you that God's will for your health is better than the health you even perceive within yourself? I'm here to tell you that God's will, the will of God should be the concentration because in the will of God is all of the fullness of the personhood and character of God. You should want the will. You say, well, how do I get it? Anybody want to get the will, the, the, the mind of Christ? Anybody want it? Let me see. If there's at least two people. Okay, if you're watching by stream, I think we have ten people. All right, we'll get it. The rest of y'all are going to forget what I taught you. That's just the nature of it. I'll have to preach it again some way in a couple months. We'll go back to it. You know, because how many know that you got to say things three times for people to get it? Anybody got children, kids? Y'all know that's true. You got to say it three times. Y'all ready? Y'all want to get down with this? Paul knows it better than anybody. Uh, Paul taught us a principle of the, of the mind of Christ in Philippians 2. And let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. <laughs> Y'all don't know? Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Right? Let's go. Philippians 2. Philippians 2. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of man and being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even the death of the cross. Come on, y'all. Y'all shouldn't know that. How long have you been in church and you don't know that passage? Come on, y'all. We got to get down in the word, right? We got to know this. What is he simply saying? Listen, Jesus came to earth and emptied himself. Now think about this. God, God is sending Jesus to save the world and Jesus is choosing to take absolutely nothing. Jesus is emptying himself of all of his divinity, of all of his ability in heaven to come and rescue you. Let me say that again. This is the prerequisite of the mind of Christ. You have to be empty. You know why? Because if you're too full of yourself. See, you think you know, but you really don't know. How many know that's the biggest fool you deal with? is the one that thinks they know. You know, I'm in a world with a lot of people that think they know a lot about stuff, but what they know about don't mean nothing. I'm in that world now where you can't counsel nobody because they, they got their own truth. The man of God can't even be the man of God. Can you? I can't even shepherd some of my own people. You know why? Because they think they got a handle on everything. They don't know that God sent me here to be the buffer in your life. I'm the guy that God, God sent me here to be the signpost. Say, that way is God. We, we've, got a, we, we've got a strange culture in this world where the man of God can't even shepherd his own house. You'd be surprised some of the stuff I could teach you if you just be empty. If you just humble yourself. If you just admit you got a problem. How many know, well, have you ever been alcoholics and I was, don't raise your hand. That's the first step. <laughs> Your hands went up. <laughs> we already knew you was crazy. Don't worry if your hand went up. The first step of knowing you got a problem is admitting you have a problem. Well, you look at your name and say, I don't know everything. Touch your back and say, even some of the stuff I think I know, I really don't know. I've just been fooling you. And of the little stuff that I do know, touch your back and say, it really don't even matter. So. I, I see y'all looking at me all mean. Because I blew up your little, your, your carnal mind. But this is a wonderful day when the carnal mind is being dismantled. That the spiritual mind can rise up. The prerequisite is emptying yourself. It's to be empty, right? To let go of any natural affinity, anything that you might see. 
To be completely dependent on God is the fullness of the, of, of the definition of humility when you completely depend on God. Can you imagine if you completely depended on God? The transformation that would happen in your prayer closet. The waiting that would be going on in your spiritual life. For the Bible says that those that wait upon the Lord. Let me give you maybe a natural comparison or a way that we could see it better because we're people, right? How many know that in St. Matthew 10, Jesus commissions the disciples? He tells the disciples, and as you go, preach saying that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick. Cleanse the lepers. Raise the dead. Cast out devils. Freely you've received, freely give. But we don't read verse 9. What does he say? Take no gold, nor silver, nor brass in your purses. Take no staves. Take no shoes, no coats. For the workman is worthy of his meat. He wants to send the disciples out into the world completely dependent on God. Completely dependent on God. And that that you've emptied yourself and you're completely dependent because you know you don't have the power to do what God sent you to do. Yeah. How many know the will of God is the power of God? Uh, let, let me say it again, because maybe you didn't get it. How many know that the will of God is the power of God? You say, well, why do you say that, preacher? Because the Holy Spirit is the one who enforces the will of God here on earth. The will of God is dunamis because it's Holy Spirit. Y'all catch that? Nobody got that? How come y'all are acting strange? Uh, were you in Philippians too? Watch Paul. Can I go a little deeper? Do you mind? Let me see what time it is. I know why you're acting weird because it's past 12 already. I knew it. Something was up. Look, the Cowboys don't play till 7. And, and, and we can all skip lunch. We can get it later. You can, you can eat it too. Listen, by the time we get out, all the Baptists, Lutherans, Presbyterians, they're going to leave. You're going to walk right in. You're gonna, can I get a table for two? Come on, right on it. Come on, sit down right here. Table of ten. Perfect. We got you. Come on and sit down right here. What you want? What you want? Empty restaurant. You're going to get an excellent service. Because, you know, I've been to those churches. They got the clock on the wall. And when it's 12, the, amen, let's go home. <laughs> I've been there. I know. I know what I'm talking about. I'm a preacher. I know how they do it. And y'all, better, y'all gonna be glad whenever we get our billing. We're gonna have church till church is over. Uh, I like church till church is over. We just you went all week long. You did everything you're gonna do. Now we're in the Lord's house. Let's just take our time. Let's take our time. Are, are, are you in Philippians 2, right? Go, go with me to Philippians 3 because Paul teaches a little bit more. Uh, Paul applies uh, the mind of Christ in this particular sentiment. Philippians 3, you know what he says I was circumcised on the eighth day. I'm of, the, I'm of the tribe of Israel. I'm a stock of Israel. I'm of the tribe of Benjamin. I'm a Hebrew of the Hebrews. As, as touching the law, I'm an attorney. I'm a Pharisee. Concerning zeal, I was persecuting the church. As touching the righteousness which is in the law, I was blameless. But what does he say? But what things I counted as gain, now it's all dung to me. Just dung. Just doo-doo. Is that your life? Is that you? Is that you? Ask yourself, do you have that? Is, that? is that frame of mind? Is that mind of Christ living in you right now where you don't have no affinity to nothing but the will of God? And that all that I have to do to get that is to empty myself. See, I'm completely dependent upon God. Everything flows from him. You read? Okay, now to the text. Y'all thought I forgot about thought I forgot about Acts chapter 9, right? We read that. Paul was blinded by the light. He's on his way. Catch this. And I'll go fast because I know, I know you're tripping, right? That, 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 that he's on his way to take captive Christians. 
both the men and women, to bring them shackled back to Jerusalem. I don't know what the plan was to imprison them or to kill them. I don't know what it was, but he's out of his mind. He thinks he's doing the will of God. Yeah. Yeah. Let, me, let me say, oh, that's rich. He thinks he's outdoing God's will. Have you ever met people say, oh, this is the will of God? And I know the Lord spoke to me and said this, that, and the other to me. And I know I'm doing the will of God. Isn't, isn't that been true in our lives where we became zealous about something, headstrong, stubborn? We made up our mind, this is what I'm going to do. This is what God wants. And in actuality, you're walking in complete darkness. The Bible says, and the light showed up. Anybody ever been in, the, in a dark room for a long time? Maybe, you know, and all of a sudden somebody swings open the door and the light comes in. Blinds you. As if you're in the dark. <laughs> it's just blinding. And I pray that this service be like that in your life. I pray that this message just... The door swings open and the light shines on your face. And all the crud that you've been doing is exposed as a lie. Paul was blinded by the light. Blinded. And the Bible says that when they came to lift him up, the scriptures teach that when they lifted him up, he saw no man but simply heard a voice. <laughs> How marvelous. How, how, how many, how, you know, years ago, thank you, Daniel, because I'm, I'm about done. He, he's coming up. He, he's, he wants to get to lunch, too, so amen, glory. <laughs> so watch this. When I was coming up, I grew up in the 70s, and, 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 and in the 70s, there was a series called Kung Fu. I don't know if you ever saw it. Uh, uh, anybody ever seen the, the, the series Kung Fu? Uh, the, one, one time, young grasshopper came to his master. <laughs> I remember the episode because he was raking leaves with one of them straw brooms, right? How many know that takes like years? You got to master that, right? And he saw his master there blind, uh, eyes as white as snow. And he says, oh, master, it's so terrible that you are blind. And the master says, well, what's so terrible about it? You can't see the master says, do you see that little beetle that's rocking right in front of your feet? And in the movie, the series, little, little grasshopper looks down. And there goes a little beetle right across the front of his shoes. Like this. He says, how about the birds in the nest in that tree right there? Then he looks up and for the first time he sees a, a, a mother with her little chicklets there in the, in the tree. And then the master says, who really is blind? <laughs> Who's the blind one here? See, the problem in church is that we think we see. We, we think we have vision, but we don't. We're walking in darkness. And the mind of Christ brings light to your life and to your world. That you can begin to see and perceive. See, the idea here in the kingdom of heaven is that we begin to perceive what God is doing. That's why when we say, if I say, let us all pray, bow your heads, what is the next thing you do? You, you close your eyes. I don't even got to tell you. you. What I want you to do today is leave church with your eyes closed. Not, not, not you know, figuratively. I don't want you all falling all over each other. Bumping your head on something. It's a figurative statement. Not literally, but figuratively. I want you to leave with, with your eyes closed. Catch it. I want you to hear it. Here's Paul. The Bible says that he starts to pray. It's what all blind people do. Do, do, do you want power to pray? Be blind. You, 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 you want motivation into your prayer life? Because I hear people tell me, tell me all the time, preacher, I, you know, I had this just last week. You know, so, pastor, I, you know, it just seems like I don't have, a, 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 you know, vigor into to pray. And I said, because you see too much. Yeah. Oh, but if you were blind, 
And if you were humble and dependent upon God, you'd be praying. Because you know that you'd be waiting, you'd be requesting, you'd be talking to God about what you're perceiving in the spirit rather than what you're seeing with your eyes. See, see, the problem with people that pray with their eyes, they go to God, they're in a panic. God, I got this problem, I got this problem, this is coming up and over there, and, and you got to do it by Friday because I want to have a good weekend, so quickly move! You know, we're coming to God with everything that we see, right? Uh, I, I, I was telling the church on, on uh, and I'm saying this to you as a man of God, on Wednesday night, I said to the church, that the sad part about the, my ministry here, I don't know if it's me person, maybe I haven't taught you well, I don't know. Uh, you know, I, I know I spend a significant amount of time in prayer. I, I'm in my word constantly. I'm memorizing scripture. I meditate scripture. I pray over scripture. Uh, all the things that a, a man should do as a shepherd. It just so happens that our church, there's too much carnality in the mind. And the way that I know there's too much carnality in the mind is because when you have a problem, rather than, rather than saying what God's going to do, you tell me your problem. See, people that have a spiritual mind, they say, look, Pastor, uh, you know, God is about to do this. God, God is moving over that. You know, Pastor, when I've been praying that the, the, the Spirit of the Lord revealed to me that in this place or in that thing or, or this spiritual thing, this, this, this spirit is hindering. I, uh, th- th- there's a warfare going on, but rather you're tied up and, well, you know, she said this and then I said that and then after she said that one, I said, well, if you tell me that, well, let me tell you what I'm going to tell you. And they get into all these parameters of natural vision. And your mind is caught up in your offenses and your problems and your strifes and your things and what's going on over there. You saw this and you're watching the news every night. And oh my God, look at what COVID's doing. Oh my God, look at the economy. And oh my God, we're in a recession. And everything is natural vision. You don't have no spiritual vision. And so your life is full of turmoil and strife and trouble. And so no wonder you don't have energy to pray. You're too burdened with your own problems. Oh, but if you had a spiritual mind and you were blind to the world and the things around you, you'd run into your prayer closet and say, Father in heaven, Father in heaven. Oh, I'm preaching a word. I'm opening the door to your dark room. See, Paul prayed. Watch. You can stand up. Keep standing, guys. Watch. I'm going to end it right here. Do you know that, that, that the Lord said, Ananias, I need you to go over to Paul because he's praying. Y- y- y'all got to hear this. He said, look, Ananias, look, get up, quick, hurry, come on. I gotta, you got to go to talk to Paul because he's praying. And in fact, for three days, he hasn't eaten or drinking a thing. And he's already seen you. He already knows what you look like, Ananias. He knows your name. He knows what you're coming from, what you're going to do when you get there. He already has full revelation. He's still blind. Isn't this the person you want to hear from when he tells you you need the mind of Christ? The, 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 the terror of being blind? The, the, the terror of being led around by somebody's hands into a place? A, a, a blind man, right? Going into a place of prayer to close his eyes. And he already sees what God's going to do and he's just waiting on his deliverance. And the angel of the Lord said, okay, it's time. All right. He's met the requirement. <laughs> he's praying. He's already getting revelation. He's already seen. He says, Ananias, go. He says, well, I've heard about this guy. Man, he's, <laughs> he's not the nicest guy in the world. You understand who you're telling me to go to. This guy's been killing people. This, guy, this guy's been apprehending people. He said, no, go. I, I need to show him what I'm going to do with him. What does the Bible say? Ananias touched him, laid his hands on him. The Bible said, and something was like scales fell from his eyes. Do you know I pray today that scales fall off your eyes today? Just that, that blindness of the world, the, the temptation and all the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life, all that fall off from us that we can begin to see spiritual. I want to see spiritual. I want the mind of Jesus. I want the will of God. God's will is better for me than anything in the world. You know, years ago, my prayer life was, Lord, I, I don't want to live another day absent of your will. I, your will is the best thing for me. I want your will, whatever it means, wherever it goes, right? And so my prayer life is about the church, the people of God, right? Loving God and loving you in my prayer, right? Because I want a spiritual mind. I want to see what God's doing. When I pray for some of y'all, I see wonderful things, powerful things happening, things you can't even see for yourself. Why? Because that's the mind of Christ. Come on, stand up with me. Everybody stand up. Come on, it's time. It's time. I'm not going to belabor the point. I'm not going to belabor it, right? If you don't want the mind of Christ, 
It's so simple. All you got to do is let go of nothing. Let me say that again. It's simple. All you got to do is let go of nothing. Huh? Jesus said in St. John chapter 5.30, I can do nothing of myself except the Father help me. How easy is that to say? Is it the truth? Isn't that a spiritual mind? I can do nothing. Look, 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 look. I'll, I'll make a promise with you. Are y'all standing? Lift your hands to him. And, and, and what I want you to do is this, right? I, I, I know you've got to strive. You've got to think. Put, get that thing up, whatever that thing is. Get, get it up in your mind. Because I'm going to show you what's warring against you. You've got a spiritual mind and you've got a carnal mind. But your heart gets to make the choice. Your soul gets to make the choice of what the mind thinks. Because remember, your body, soul, and spirit. Your spirit is, is, is energy towards God. Your flesh is hatred towards God. But the souls, where our emotion is, right? Where all our passions are. There's, it's warring. It's warring. Now, 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 now watch this. Simply get that thing, simply get that thing up, that, 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 that issue. Whatever it is. The, the biggest thing you got. I don't care what it is. Just, just put it up right now. Just like a banner in your mind. It could be a marital problem could be financial problem could be health problem could whatever it is just put it up in the banner of your mind but we're going to put it up before God right and 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 this is this is what the carnal mind does watch what the carnal mind says God ain't gonna help you God ain't gonna rescue you all that religious stuff all that garbage pastors trying to teach you just Come on, we'll solve it. You, you got a college degree. Come on. You, you, what are you worried about your health for? You got an HMO, a PPO. You got a primary care physician. They're the specialists in their field. Why would you need God? But the spiritual mind says, here it is, Father. I put this banner before you. Here it is. Father, I want your will over this thing. Let your will reign over this thing whatever that thing is now watch this and I'm not going to do anything until I get revelation on it until I hear the voice until I get revelation for some of you that are wise until I get confirmation oh I just said something that, 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 that until I get a, 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 a voice from the Lord and a confirmation I won't take one step in regards to it, I put this trouble in your hands. <laughs> it's yours to keep. I'm following the biblical principle of the spiritual mind, which is life and peace. Father, I know that all things work together for the good to them that love God, to them who are called according to your purpose. And I put that matter there right there before you. Did you do it? Now all you got to do is leave it right there. You're in wait mode. Father, I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait. And when the thought comes up, and when the thought comes up, so let me finish this lesson. You stay right there. I told you to put your Bible ribbon. I'll read it. And when the thought comes back up, you've got warfare to fight. When the thought comes up, oh, that problem's not going to be solved in that situation, and that's too far gone. And, and why would you put that in the hands of God? God's going to disappoint you. Your hope's going to be made ashamed. You're in spiritual warfare, my brothers and sisters. So I'll read this to you. <laughs> but I beseech you that I may not be bold when I'm present with that confidence wherewith I think to be bold against some which think as if they we walked according to the flesh now watch this for though we walk in the flesh we do not war after the flesh for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ and having in a readiness to revenge all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled look what he says do ye look on things after the outward appearance if any man trust to himself that he is Christ let him of himself think this again that 
as he is Christ, even so are we Christ. Father, we come to you as a family of faith. In a world stressed and hurried, burdened, given over to every manner of thought, temptation, stress and worry. Father, in so much that your word is true, that even now young men's hearts are failing them for fear, for stress. Father, today we set up in the banner of our mind the issue, the thing. And not just for myself, Lord, I do it for my brothers and sisters. You too, friends, family, I put you up as a banner in my mind. And I present your family as a banner. And I say, Father, let your will reign over that family. Let your will saturate them with your goodness and your kindness, your loving kindness, your gentleness, your mercies, your graces. That the families experience the fullness of you by your will. For your will is wonderful and it's awesome. stupendous. I put that banner up in my mind and I put that banner before you, God, because I know you won't leave me ashamed. That any thought hereafter, contrary to the beauty that I see in you, Father, I will wrestle that thought. I will take that thought captive. And I'm going to make that thought obedience to the knowledge of Christ. I promise you that, Father. Are you there with me? Are you praying that with me? Are, are you with me? Are you praying with me? Come on, church. Because I want you to have the mind of Christ when you walk out of here. This is the mind of Christ. Everything he saw, he saw through the will of God. 